Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Like, how is everybody doing? <laughs> Holding up well? Uh, I want to start tonight with just an update on the panel. Uh, of course, this is Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Funny Games for the evening. Uh, I just want to start tonight with an update. Uh, I haven't talked to you guys. We just chatted a little before we started recording, but I want to know how your social distancing is going. I, of course, love Social D, uh, and this is something <laughs> different. <laughs> Slightly different, but I mean, hey. Uh, this is this it is, it is the time of it is the time of Corona. So I just want to know what you guys are up to. Uh, let's lead it off with Canada's own Kelly Hinkle. I'm so bored. I'm so so <laughs> bored. It's not even that there's just no sports to watch. It's like there's no sports to know about. There's no like casual sports conversation in my life. I don't know what's happening. Because the thing with it, everybody. I could ask people about the Flyers and we could have a conversation because they knew nobody else is watching 90 Day Fiance. That's just me. I can't yeah, talk to yeah. anybody else about this. So <laughs> it's just the social distancing is hard. And also the gym's closed. And so now I have to run, which is the worst form of exercise. And it makes me want to die. So everything is bad, actually. That's a Yeah, like I forgot. That this is how, like, I've always made friends, and this is what me and my friends talk to each right. other about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what the, what are we going to talk about our lives and relationships? Ew. That sounds fucking <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh my God. We're not that close. I don't know. I don't care if I've known you for 30 years. I'm not talking to you about this shit. <laughs> Didn't you just watch Turning Point 2004 last night? Because I did. <laughs> That's a, a little known TNA wrestling pay per view. There you uh, go. From the early 2000s. The more you uh, know. And let's just throw it over to Charlie O'Connor from TheAthletic.com. So the one sport that isn't, like, completely dead right now is the NFL. And I'm going to rant a little bit about our Philadelphia Eagles and what they oh haven't boy. done in free agency. Because it, there's really, I guess it's a two-part rant. So part one is that they, they let Malcolm Jenkins leave. They, they cut him, or they, I don't think they cut him, but they just they didn't pick up his option for next year. Yeah. And that makes me sad because I really like Malcolm Jenkins as a player, and I like him as a leader. I think he was you know, a, a great guy to have on this team. He was a really easy guy to root for. So that stinks. And I, I, can, I could mildly accept the idea that it was the right thing to do from a cap standpoint. You know, Maybe he was going to get overpaid, whatever. But what we've seen so far is that like a lot of the – impact names are coming off the board in NFL free agency and the Eagles haven't done anything and I understand that it's not over yet and they could make a trade or they could sign somebody but it sure seems like the Philadelphia Eagles are basically just looking at the defense this year and saying our front four is so good that we don't have to do anything for like the other two-thirds of the defense and I understand that getting pressure on the quarterback is important, but at some point you have to have like actual players behind them that do stuff occasionally. And I don't know if they really have that. 
And that that annoys me. And the second thing that annoys me is that, and I guess it, I should have expected it because the Eagles did win the Super Bowl. People forget that. But it seems like because the Eagles won the Super Bowl, we're still there's still a subsection subsection of the fan base that like doesn't want to criticize them for anything because like oh well you know it's early and they'll figure it out. It's like well not necessarily. Yes, they won the Super Bowl. Yes, Howie put together a great team and they won the Super Bowl and it was one of the best nights of all of our lives as Eagles fans. But like doesn't mean he's infallible and that doesn't mean that he can't screw up. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking like. Kind of looks like he's screwing up. And then you still have people like, calm down, stop freaking out. It's like, I'm not freaking out. I'm just raising legitimate concerns over what the Eagles have and haven't done so far this week. And because there's no other sports going on, it just seems like I'm freaking out because that's the only thing anybody who's into sports can talk about right now. I'm done. Yeah, looking at looking at what has happened in free agency, like, I'm not upset about Byron Jones because I don't know how good he really is. Yeah, that's fair. When was the last time the Eagles paid a corner and it worked? Uh, like, <laughs> the thi- I, I don't have much of a problem with them. It looks like they're just going to take a step back this year. Um, I think they're going to have some cap space to roll over into next year. And this year is kind of about drafting and developing. Maybe. I don't love it because Maybe. you have Carson Wentz. And every year with a franchise quarterback, you should be going for it. But... They saw what the problem was last year. They don't have enough talent. They don't have enough depth. And they can't go out and get 29, 30, 31-year-olds and just cross their fingers. Like, they made an impact move last year. They got Malik Jackson. He gets hurt week one. They get Deshaun Jackson. He gets hurt week two. Like, well, there's where our impact moves. So, yeah, I wish they would just have traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Um I don't know what our David Johnson equivalent would be. Like, would you trade Zach Ertz for DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would, but I don't know if I want to take that guy away from from Carson Wentz. They're so perfect together. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, know. I, I, I like Zach Ertz a lot, but the fact of the matter is, is DeAndre Hopkins is amazing, and they have Dallas Goddard. Who's he is at least okay. He is. I wonder, like, what would the chemistry with Wentz be? Can he? Like he doesn't use Alshon to the best of Alshon's ability. They just don't have that chemistry. What I realize Hopkins is in a completely different class, but you know, what if it was just well, he likes to go up and get the ball and Wentz doesn't throw that ball. So we traded a second round pick and Zach Ertz for a guy the quarterback doesn't like. I don't know. I want something. I just I'm not freaking out yet, but it's pretty clear they're not gonna be great this year, that, I don't think. Yeah. Unless unless the quarterback is just as good as he's ever been. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be okay. It's just that I Yeah, guess, they'll be okay because yeah, they have a quarterback. Yeah, like I was expecting, I guess, them to do more. And maybe they tried and they just couldn't. But it, it seems like they're in on some people and some people were just like, nah, I'll go elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, and that happens. Oh, well, that sounds familiar. No one wants to play for the Flyers, remember? <laughs> yeah, it's that true. That is true. Yeah, people forget that. I was getting really football in here. I had to do something about it. I like let's, get, let's get back to football. All they have to say is fucking Mills, right? Am fucking I right? Fucking Mills. He's still fucking here. Fucking Mills. Fucking Jalen Mills. Unbelievable. Well, that's like, it is kind of, it is a little unbelievable in that they let a safety walk. They moved, tech, like, honestly, their best corner to safety. And they haven't added any cornerbacks, so now they're just <laughs> subtracting. They have no linebackers and no corners. I don't know. That's like two-thirds of your defense. It's a bold so. strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off for him. 
I'm I'm interested to see what they do. I think it's going to be honestly Brandon Graham, uh, Fletcher Cox, and Javon Hargrave, and then eight safeties lined up all across the first <laughs> down line, and they're just going to play a very uh, it's it's going to be a new progressive style of defense. It's like the logical endpoint of the sticks defense. Yes, yeah, three down linemen and eight safeties. That's it. <laughs> Love it. Nate Gary can get on the field every now and then, but he's basically a safety anyway. All right, so we talked about this. Uh, are you guys binging anything? What's What's been the show? What's been your uh, shelter-in-place show? The one that I've started since quarantining and not finished yet is McMillions. That show is very enjoyable. I heard that was good, but, like, stretched out. Like, it could have been three I, episodes yeah, and it's, it's six. Yeah, it's a bit stretched out, but the the main FBI guy is, like, an extremely likable guy. So it's, like, not That's hard. Shocking. to. I know, right? It's, like, not hard to listen to him tell you this ridiculous story because he's pretty funny. That's what I've been on. That's what you're on. How about you, Charlie? Um, I haven't really settled it on anything specific yet. Like, all day Sunday, I caught up on Better Call Saul. Um, okay, okay. But I'm not like fully caught up. I basically just watched all of season four that I had stopped midway through for whatever reason. But I still need to catch up on this season, which I think is like five episodes in. So I'll probably do that maybe like later this week or this weekend. Um, but what I started doing yesterday was I started catching up on Peaky Blinders because I hadn't watched the newest season of that. So that's where I'm at right now. When I get done that, I'll go back to Better Call Saul. And then after that, the one show I was thinking about doing, I figured it'd be like the perfect time to do it because it's one of those shows that everybody says you have to watch and I never did as a Sopranos. Like, it's yeah, Oh, this would be a good time show. for that. Yeah, like it's yeah. long and I just never, yeah. I never started it because I never wanted to make the commitment. But like now that mm. we're not doing anything anyway, I might as well. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, time, I got Ava one episode into The Wire and the antiquated technology in the show just really annoyed her, so we didn't get much further than that. The, well, like the pages, uh, she's and the burner yeah, phones. she yeah, and like the computers they're using are just yes, like hilarious. Yes. It's like they're banging out reports on typewriters and shit. It's like this show was made in two thousand two. She's like, yeah, that was eighteen years ago. That's a whole adult ago. It's like, oh wow, you're right. This um, is what happened to, the other day. I was watching Get Rich or Die Trying which came out in, like, 2005. <laughs> yeah. It might as well have been, like, 1982. I was like, what was happening in 2005? Why do the cars look so old? Why are people still listening to tapes? Like, what is happening? It was weird. I mean, tell, tell <laughs> a Bill, tell Ava that, like, with the way the direction of society is going, maybe we are going to go back to the Stone Age by the end of this thing, so. Yeah, it very well could happen. <laughs> uh, I, she loves Law & Order SVU. And I just used to sit there and make fun of it, and now I'm hooked. I fucking oh, love see, it. See, I, so I'm like, I'm a diehard, like, classic Law & Order fan. That's, like, one of my serious guilty pleasure TV shows. Like, get me, uh, get me Jack McCoy and Lenny Briscoe all day. But I, I love Ice-T. I never so like Ice-T just says the most, like, obvious shit. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's uh, raping women and sawing off their heads. He's got 18, and he's on the move. He's going to do more. Ice-T just, we got to catch this guy now. Like, no shit, Ice-T. <laughs> I just, it always cracks me up that, like, Ice-T, like, his big song was Cop Killer. And cop then he, Killer, yeah, And then he great. plays a cop on Law and Order. <laughs> like, okay, man, <laughs> sure. And uh, other than that, yeah, Law and Order and Boy Meets World. I started Boy Meets World the other night. Now I'm, like, in the middle of season two, and I fucking am like, these kids are getting it. 
Like, I did not go out on nearly this many dates in middle school. <laughs> I didn't go out on that many dates in college. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> Sean is just bang bang in away. Uh, he's, just, he's just going out and meeting the world. That's all. Yeah, yeah. He's, that's all they he do. He sure is. <laughs> awesome all right so i guess we can get to some nhl stuff now um so i I read in a in a q a on the hockey news that was like three questions and it was like just a pr release basically i was very disappointed in it uh with bettman today but one of the things that he actually did say is in terms of where we go from here we're modeling all sorts of options and everything is on the table so what do you think the NHL should do? I realize like it's all subject to whenever we're allowed to assemble again and however long this thing lasts, but should they pick up where they left off? Should they, should they just call it and start over? Just start the playoffs? What do you think they need to do here? Uh, I don't know. It's so hard to say. Like I, The points percentage thing, starting the playoffs – with the teams getting in based on point percentage seems like the fairest way to do it. Um, I've seen that 24 team playoff thing kicking around. I don't like that at all because then you start factoring in teams that were absolutely not going to make the playoffs when we stop the season. But like, ideally they find a way to squish all of these games in, or I actually heard some, I think it was Micah actually talking about how maybe that you just, make some kind of schedule when you come back that just gets all the teams up to like 72 games or whatever the most games played is so that everyone's played the same number of games and then playoffs go from there. But I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do now with somebody actually having it. I feel like I don't even know if we're going to get it back this season. I just don't think there's going to be enough time to play any regular season games because the, the, the one thing that we've heard um, from, I think Bill Daly did an interview with, uh, two, two of our writers to the athletic writer. I think it was LeBron and maybe Custance, uh, this morning. And I listened to it. And, um, the big thing that the NHL is pushing on is that they don't want this to impact next season. Mm. That like next season is mm. going to be an 82 game season. And it's going to be as close to the expected schedule as possible from a timing standpoint. And anything that puts that in jeopardy, you know, trying to finish out this season in playoffs, they're not going to go for. So that's like the the line in the sand that they're basically saying. So I just don't know if there's enough time. Even if we're looking at like best case scenario that, you know, at some point over the next three, four months, this clears up enough that games can be played whether it's in front of fans or not in front of fans at the very least games can be played i just don't know if there's enough time to fit in the rest of the regular season plus the playoffs because like the playoffs are what matters in the end like everybody just wants to get to the playoffs and what if you sorry go ahead no i just i i mean the the players obviously had that proposal but to me, that proposal just screamed like, we're just trying to get as much revenue as we possibly can so we don't get killed by escrow. I, I don't mm. think it was it's realistic to think that like they're actually going to play 82 games in a 2019-2020 season. I think the playoffs could happen if they're willing to be flexible and if we get lucky and this doesn't last 18 months. But like I don't see how they do both. That's just where I'm at. I wonder if you did like a... Like a three-game first round 
five game second and third round and then seven games for the actual final. I don't know. That could compress it a bit. I don't know if they'd be into that. See, I don't. I don't want to screw with the playoffs to get in a couple more regular season games. Like, give me, the, give me the no, playoffs in their in all their glory. Like, if if we have to compress the playoffs just to get ten more bullshit regular season games in, so we find out whether the Columbus Blue Jackets or the New York Islanders get the final seed in the East. Like, I don't give a shit. Neither of them are going to win the cup anyway. Just pick one and let's do the playoffs. I think they really should just take a look at Money Puck's article and announce the Flyers champions. <laughs> Agreed. That's, that's, you know, look at funny. that model and say, yeah, that's probably the most right. 13% chance. That's the highest. The Flyers win. I would go to I the mean, parade. I would I, end social distancing to go to the parade. <laughs> I mean, fair. But that, that's the thing. I, mean, I know we all joke about that, but like, I want the Flyers to win a fucking cup. I don't want it to be Me given too. to. I I want to. Yeah, go and I don't want like I don't want the parade to be blamed for the spread of a global fucking pandemic. So the worst like, part is if f- we if we do get a full playoffs it, and the Flyers do win the cup, it's gonna be like the asterisk season, and it's gonna be like not a real good. cup that no. they won. No. <laughs> oh, I would love to hear. I would love to hear everybody cry. You didn't really win. Fuck you. Yeah, I did. Check it out on Wikipedia. It happened. <laughs> No, because I if, was there. If if they have a playoff, like we're that that's one thing I don't think a lot of people fully understand, just because it's hard to grasp the concept of like us going without sports for months on end. But like when sports come back, people are going to go fucking nuts. Yeah. Because we're all gonna be starved for this shit. So like even if the playoffs in whatever form, if we get them for the NHL, in whatever form we get them, like it could be the most bullshit thing, and we're all going to lose our goddamn minds for it regardless because we just desperately yep. need hockey back. Do you think there's any chance they go with empty arena games? Yes. I don't I could think see it. so. You really? Uh, yeah, I was reading I those Batman comments, and I know that he was saying that, like, to produce a hockey game for television takes, like, 200 people. So, how are you possibly going to do this? No greater gathering than 50 people if you're putting a game on the television like it wouldn't work oh oh, i mean i definitely think that like if if the limit is 50 people then yeah it's not realistic but the limit doesn't have to be 50 people the True. limit could be 500 people i mean the, the, these these limits can change over yeah. time depending on how you know good control we have over this virus so yeah i could i i think the nhl will do whatever they can to get playoff games in and if, yeah, getting, I, uh, if getting playoff games in involves not playing in front of fans, like, they'll do it. They were going to do it before it got even worse last week. That's the one thing that has not stopped in my life is the WWE. They are still putting on shows, <laughs> and they've done their last two shows from their basically, like, their home gym, basically, the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And there are no fans. It's just a ring in a room with some announcers and then some matches. And it is fucking weird. And they're going to do WrestleMania this way, supposedly. And that's like, man, if a Super Bowl-sized event that attracts fans from around the world, and it's like a whole week of pageantry leading up to it, if that can be reduced to some matches in a in an air-conditioned warehouse, why can't the Stanley Cup playoffs be played in front of the fucking nobody? I don't know. Like, yeah. it's it's really weird-looking, but the fact that it's happening makes me think, I guess anyone could do it. 
Yeah, I, I just I, I think in the end they're gonna do whatever they can, and maybe it's it's in the end it's not gonna be possible. But if it's a choice between not having playoff games and having playoff games in an empty arena, they're gonna have playoff games in an empty arena. Yeah, I think especially you brought up the players escrow. Man, mm-hmm. they are just gonna get they get screwed every way imagined. <laughs> I realize this is screwed. this is like, you know, uh, again, like a global pandemic, et cetera, and the owners are probably legitimately losing money this time, not just yeah. claiming to be losing money yeah. like in lockouts past, but this is something else, man. Like, uh it, yeah, you know how uh, hockey related revenue was gonna be up this year? Actually, you're gonna <laughs> make about ten, you're gonna make about fifty percent of your contracts this year. Jeez, God, that's you sad. made more in the forty-eight game season than you're gonna make this year. All right, so this is something that Charlie brought up. Uh, so if they just st- uh, like end the season and start the playoffs, we know that year-end awards are regular season awards. If they go by points percentage, Columbus is out, which means Tortorella probably not the Jack Adams winner. If this is the end of the regular season, right here, we saw the final game. It's it's AV, right? Vigneault's coach of the year. I think it might be. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... think I, I, I don't see why not. I, I don't see why it's not... Why it's so clearly Tortorella, even with things continuing, like if things went all the way to the end. But if Columbus doesn't make it, then it's got to be. There's nobody else. You would think, right? I mean, I, I brought up Tippett last week, and I still think he's, like, in there. But I feel like the, with the way the Flyers were playing at the end of the season, yeah. and as, as well as they were playing, as dominant as they were looking, like, that's going to that's gonna catch people's attention. And, yeah, I think it – and right now I have to say I think it comes down to Vino or Torts. And if the Blue Jackets don't make the playoffs, Vino might get another Coach of the Year award. Man, that's just, that would be so cool. Just, uh, it sucks that it would end this way and not be a full season, but it would be really cool to get a guy year one, he's the man. Like, that would be awesome. It would be. As much as the year-end awards don't really matter, that would be kind of cool. Especially given that when he was hired, because we didn't get Quenville, people were so pissed off, and this will just be a chance to be like, nope, see, worked out just fine for us. Sometimes yeah. things happen for a reason. Oh, they got the guy who didn't win a bunch of cups. Cool. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's worked out. I mean, that was me. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's, it's worked out, I think, better than anybody could have anticipated. I, I would say it's worked out even, you know, probably even better than the Flyers could have anticipated. Obviously, you, probably. Never, knew th- you never knew this was going to happen, you know, with the virus and the season getting postponed and everything like that. But, I mean, this team was on track to hit the postseason. I, I mean, as we talked about, not maybe not a cup favorite, but certainly a team that everyone is terrified of facing. And a lot of that is due to the work that Vino has done, especially in the second half of the season. Like I did an article today breaking down kind of the overarching philosophies behind what the Flyers do, them being a dump and chase team. A lot of the stuff we talked about on the show, them being a dump and chase team, the fact that they use first periods is kind of like a way to soften up the other team. The, the emphasis they place upon um, you know the defenseman standing up at the blue line and trying to break up plays and being aggressive. And it was I, I talked to the two guys, two players I talked to in addition to Vino for the article were Ivan Proveroff and Scott Lawton. And you could just tell talking to those guys just like how much they buy in to what this team is doing on the ice. 
like the last time the last time I've, I've I talked to players and I mean I know we criticize them all the time and certainly it wasn't the case his entirety of his tenure but the last time I talked to players that were that confident about the system they were playing was the the second half of that first Hackstall year when everybody pretty much liked him and players were like yeah you know because if you remember the first half that year they sucked and the second half of the year they got yeah. on that run and the players just like yeah well now that this like we trust the system we're doing everything second nature and everything's working out great for us and that is what this reminded me a lot of talking to these guys because they're just like yeah i mean everything we're doing it just makes perfect sense to me and that's you know part of that is the system has to work but part of that is you know communicating it in a way that players buy in and i think Vino's done mm-hmm. a great job of that and th- like what i look at is obviously players players need to experience success for them to buy in you mentioned scott lawton well scott lawton's having a career year so it must be working like yeah, right. you look at nicholas all you look at like nicholas albay cubell never been able to stick before never able to make an impression they are playing a way that allows him to make an impression it fits what he does very very well and that's uh i think what I want to get to next here is the uh, Charlie. You wrote an article about the best developments of the 2019 Flyers, just in terms of things that have happened that now bode well for the team's future, even yes. beyond this season. Uh, and you had a top five, so let's get to those. And Kelly and I have a few as well. Yeah. So my top five, my number one was Carter Hart having a really good sophomore season because, in my mind. Him becoming a star is essential to this team being a year-over-year contender because you just as as great of a pipeline as the Flyers built under Ron Hextall, like you were wondering who's that star who's going to replace Claude Drew, who's going to replace Jake Voracek. You know, maybe Ivan Provorov can be the second best guy, but I don't know if like. Ivan Provorov, even if he's as good as we hope he's going to be, like, I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a Chris Pronger or an Eric Carlson. Like, a true, like, he could be the best player on your team and you can win a cup. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, Carter Hart, yeah, you could you could win a cup if Carter Hart is, like, an every year 920 to 925 state percentage goalie. And he had a better sophomore season than his rookie season, which was already really good. So that to me was the top development that Carter Hart progressed and didn't show any concerning signs aside from maybe that road thing, which I think is kind of bullshit. So that was number one. Uh, the Proveroff bounce back was number two, which I think was almost as big. I mean, you, you can put that one in my mind. Um, three was Konechny developing into more of an all-around guy who isn't dependent upon his line mates. He can drive a line now. Number four was the the development of the Sanheim Myers pairing. I mean, to me, I'm looking at that as like that might be your second pair for the next decade. Boom, done. Yeah. We have we have, we have a a, a a very good second pair that you can just lock in. And then the fifth one was the penalty kill. I mean, for how long have we been screaming about the penalty kill being bad? And now it's not just not a weakness; it's a strength. So those were my yeah, it's five. A top, it's a top ten unit. Yeah. yeah, like it's a really good unit. And and the guys who are making it a really good unit. Our guys who aren't going anywhere. You know, Kevin Hayes, Ivan Provorov, Sean Gaturia, even Travis Anaheim has been a great penalty killer this year. So, like, you've you now have a penalty kill that penalty kills the like kills penalties the right way and has the core of that PK guys who are going to be here for the next five years. So, those are my top five. I had a couple others that were the bottom half of the list, but I will now give the floor to you guys. My uh, just in terms of developments of this season, the Flyers. We knew that they were going to be deeper based on what we thought the depth chart was, you know, coming into camp. But 
Finding out that NAK and Bunneman and Friedman and these depth guys can play. Listen, I don't. Th- are, are they going to be huge contributors when this team wins a cup? I don't know. Probably not. But you know what they may need to do? Step in for a game or two when I'm talking about a guy like Mark Friedman. Like, he might need to play in the playoffs this year. Like, they have six healthy defensemen. That's what they have right now. So it would be uh, – it it's great to find out that they have this depth. They have this organizational depth. We knew about the top-line guys, and we knew what Ron Hextall was building was solid. But we didn't know about the depth. We're like, all right, they're, the Phantoms aren't that good. We have some guys down there who are semi-productive. None of them are, like, winning AHL MVP or anything. But they come up, and they're the exact same players. They're guys who can step in, don't look out of place, and just help the team. Just to, Even just if it's to eat minutes, they're able to do that and not cost the team. And that is just a huge development that I think is great for the future. And more, most importantly, and this is my number one, There's a new culture. They brought in some veterans who have been down the road, have been on cup runs. Matt Niskanen has won one. Uh, Braun has been to one. They've been in playoff series. Kevin Hayes, who just seems to be everybody's everybody's buddy, just a, a hilarious guy that they all like. And it just seems that adding in a little bit of a new culture has contributed as much to the winning attitude as anything on the ice. Yeah, mine kind of goes along with your second one there in that, like, we didn't know what we were going to get out of Chuck and Elaine Vigneault before they got started this season. And I've been pleased to find out that neither of them will hesitate to make a lineup change or a roster move if it means that it's going to make the team better. Like, there's no guys that get to play minutes just because they make a lot of money or just because they like them for some random reason that none of us can find out. If someone's playing poorly, they come out. If someone's playing well in the AHL, they get a call up and they get a chance to shine. And it's been a nice change from what we had before. Yeah, there's no 81 consecutive Chris Vandevelde games. Right. Like 81 in a row with no break. (laughs) There's none of that. I I do really like that. I will say, I think of all... Like, Hart being really good again, I think, is incredibly important. But I have fewer doubts about Carter Hart than Ivan Provorov. Um, you need a number one defenseman. I, I say you need a 1C, a 1D, and a 1G. I was convinced about Couturier. I was pretty sure about Hart. And, you know, that's more faith than fact because it was only, you know, a 30-game rookie season. But Provorov had had the ups and downs, and I wasn't sure who he really was. And now I am convinced that he is at least a top pair defenseman. And getting better. So I think, like, if Charlie's five, I think that's the number one. The PK getting fixed, though, just for my own mental stability. Like, for my own, just when I watch a game and not want to hurt myself. Because, like, oh, yeah, we're down two nothings. We took two fucking penalties. Like, it's, it's really nice that they fixed the most glaring thing that has been for the last decade, basically. <laughs> yeah, from Charlie's list, that Sanheim-Myers pair is huge for me because I have long thought that those two are going to end up being among our top three defensemen. Um, and it's nice to see that given the chance to play together for an extended time and work through mistakes, they're turning into something pretty special, which is nice. 
Man, I really didn't know how much I missed hockey until we started talking about this shit. <laughs> right? I was like, I'm fine. There's like so much on television. No. You're not fine. <laughs> no, I'm not okay. <laughs> oh, this is good, though. Yeah, it's... uh. Man, this has just been such a good year, and that's what sucks that it's getting ripped away from us. That is why the couldn't worst take? Thing. Why couldn't they take away a Nick Grossman, Luke Shen, Michael Delzato year? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what the fuck? Oh, uh, what do you think is the number one, Charlie? Is it Hart? Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, I ranked Hart number one. I, I, yeah. am, I am like, I went back and forth between Hart and Proveroff, but I feel like. The Proveroff thing is really important because of just how disappointing last year was for him and how it really forced a lot of people to kind of take a step back and say, you know, were we wrong about this guy? You know, is he just a is he just a decent defenseman and not this like holy shit great defense we think he's gonna be? And and this year he's he's answered that question, you know, the way exactly the way we wanted him to. Um I just think the thing with Hart is like, as I said, they need it they need it someone. To, they need someone. One of these kids needs to step up and be like a holy shit player. And like, and maybe Konechny's that guy. Maybe Provorov can be that guy. But like, Hart to me has the potential to be like the guy you pay to see every night. Like, I'm going to see Carter Hart, one of the top three goalies in the league. And it's so, like, it's so hard to get a goalie that is good every year. Like, that's why Henrik Lundqvist was, is the best goalie of his generation. It's not because most years he wasn't the best goalie of that year, but it was that every single year you knew he yeah. was going to be top five. Because like, every, every year there's goalies that out of nowhere have a holy shit year and then come back to earth. With Lundqvist, you knew you were getting a 920 save percentage. You could put it in the, take it to the fucking bank. And if Carter Hart can be that guy, like, that's a, you build a team around that. Mm-hmm. I it's I just looked up I was looking up some goalie stuff the other day I would never pay to see a goalie I don't care how good he is Charlie they're joy thieves but <laughs> uh, I, I was looking at L- L- some Lundqvist stuff the other day and it's yeah he was like never number one for that season but when you look at ten seasons combined he's like two or three in everything yeah like it's yeah. it's every single year yeah right there and if the Flyers have that just a guy that is really like it's not oh wow yeah michael neuvert in the back half of the season really showed us something huh yeah, right. like no it's it's not it's not a guy you just throw in and cross your fingers in the playoffs it's yep that's our starting goalie he is our guy if he is a bad game he's still our guy like it's that's cool it's it's something we haven't had I, I did like uh, like Kelly's though the the idea of just like because it kind of goes hand in hand with your culture one, but just the mm-hmm. idea that like this front office isn't going to keep like we talked about it on the show that they're going to make mistakes, but when they make mistakes, they're not so stubborn that they don't admit it and then fix it, and that's such a, a refreshing change from the Hextall era because like look look Ron. You got Yuri Laterra because he was a throw-in and you wanted two first-round picks. We get it. That's, like, it's not fine, but, like, we get it. We would accept that if you then just admitted that Yuri Laterra can't actually play NHL hockey and dumped him in the AHL the rest of his career or made or made sure that your coach made sure he was a healthy scratch every game. But it was like, you can't keep throwing bad, like, you can't keep throwing good money at bad players. And what they did with Chris Stewart was a classic example of kind of the new mentality where it's like, look, 
we saw something in Chris Stewart. We liked him in the locker, and we think he's a good dude. But after 30 games or however many he played, like, yeah, he's not an NHL player. Sorry, dude, you're going to the AHL. Like, I don't think Ron Hextall would have done that because Ron Hextall no. still would have had in his head that this was the right decision. And oh, my God, Got to trust my process. Fucking Dave would have Chris Stewart in the lineup on a nightly basis. Every night. Oh, yeah. He'd be oh, taking yeah. beatings from a bunch of, like, middleweight fighters every single night just to prove his place in the lineup. <laughs> oh, my God. How far we have come. Uh, yeah. yeah like, I mean, Kelly, and even go- Kelly you know what? Like Yours is number too. one because I couldn't take that shit anymore. It was Yuri it fucking was it's just, it's just, It's just nice to not have to think about that anymore. Like, we just know yeah. that the team is being run well. It's like... When you have a new car and you know nothing's going to break, you just drive it. It's fine. Nothing's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I like that one, Kelly, because it wasn't like I think I, in my list, I mostly focused on more tangible things. Um, yeah. But that is absolutely an intangible thing that becomes tangible because of the way, you know, the way the mentality and the way that particular process, you know, was was, I guess, um, put into practice because, yeah, yeah. like. I mean, Mikhail Vorobiev got some chances, got sent back down. Like, I know there were a lot of people that complained about the revolving door that was the fourth line in the first half of the year, and some of the criticisms were warranted. But at the same time, if there wasn't a revolving door, we'd probably never get Albie Kubel. We'd probably never get Connor Bunneman, like, get it, get him a second chance, you know, after he had the, the high ankle sprain and then came back. Like, they figured out which guys could play. And you know how they did it? They did it by trying out a bunch of guys. And eventually they figured, you know, they, they let cream rise to the top and they correctly identified what the cream was. It wasn't like we're sitting here watching Mikhail Vorobiev do nothing and put up a 30% Corsi every night. And they're just like, no, he's, he's fine. Like, no, they recognized that he wasn't playing well. And then even though they clearly weren't that high on Albe Kubel, when he had a really good game in his first game back, they kept him up. It wasn't like, well, you know, we don't really like this guy that much, and he had one good game, but it doesn't matter. They kept him up, and then he kept having good games, and then he's he's still up, and he's hopefully going to be a core member of the, the bottom six for years to come. I don't know if I would have trusted that Ron Hextall would have identified that and kept a guy like him up if he wasn't necessarily positively predisposed towards him in the first place. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, it has been a positive step forward year for the Flyers. It would be awesome if we can at least get these playoffs in, and you know some of these guys get Carter Hart some playoff experience. Just reward these guys for the season they've had, and the front office and the coach for the job that they've done in turning this thing around. Because it was painful for a little while, and it was not that when uh, when this season ended. All right, guys. Uh, we started a little late, but we, you know, we wanted to start at five thirty. Now it's six thirty. We're 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 closing in on the end, but I want to get to some some fun questions here that I took from the internet. Uh, basically, oh, just sh- shit everyone do, else's. Yeah. What? Before you do, I think that oh. we should probably listen to an advertisement for a good or service. Oh yeah, we should absolutely break <laughs> for an ad. Right here. Uh, do we still have advertisers now that like sports are over? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Hope so. I guess we will find out right now. Oh, thank you so much for sticking with us, uh, sponsor, uh, during these times of <laughs> during these times of Corona and no sports. In this economy, uh, it is great. It is great to have you on board here. Uh, that Corona beer could really should really be sponsored. They should be cashing in big uh, time. <laughs> 
I mean, you hate. I'll tell you what I've been. I like it. I'll tell you. You know, I hate Corona, but I'll tell you what I've been drinking is that uh that spitting chiclets vodka, and it's good. The pink lemonade. (laughs) Oh God, really? Oh my God, it's this pink lemonade vodka, and it doesn't taste like booze at all. Uh I I I thought you were gonna try to fit in a plug for uh, for Fitzpatrick's Crest Tavern right there. I don't. I don't know. I, I should tell. I. I guess they. They had to close too, right? Didn't. All, yeah, all I, I imagine they're closed. Close? Yeah. I know. I have no idea. I need to email that guy probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Uh, so these are just like some questions we took from from uh, listeners, and some questions that are just like shit that's going on on the internet. So I stole it. Uh, and the first one is flyer you would most like to be quarantined with, and least like to be quarantined with. Hmm. <clears throat> Okay, that's an interesting question. It is. Um, hmm. Well, I, I feel like I think least likely would be Bill because you would just drive me fucking insane. Like I just wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to deal with the the constant takes. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I would like. I would lose my mind. Like I have my 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 fix of Bill on a weekly basis on the show. But like every day, twenty four seven. No, I don't think I can do it. I was gonna say I think I'd like to be quarantined with Charlie because he'd be neat and quiet. <laughs> I don't think he'd be disturbing in any way. Like Kelly would oh, be working God. out and shit. Nah, not in the house. Kelly like a would savage. be like doing things. <laughs> I would be doing stuff. I I mean, I have reasons why I would want to hang out for long periods of time with all of you. Like, me and Bill like the same kinds of movies and television shows, so we could just binge watch shit and make hilarious jokes. I could hang out with Charlie, and we could, like, drink good booze and watch hockey games, and Charlie could teach me things. That would be fun. And then Steph and I would just, like, cook delicious meals for each other and veg out on the couch, so that would be good, too. I wouldn't hate any of you. Because I'm the yeah, nice I mean, I, 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 could, felt... I could learn to live with Bill. I, I could. <laughs> we, we, you know, we know the thing, thing with me and Bill, we would just end up drinking a shitload of beer, which yeah, would be what... the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I, I would just, happened. I would have to, I would have to be constantly drunk to deal with living with Bill, which, like, in a way, kind of sounds fun. So, <laughs> yeah, who knows how long this quarantine could last? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we did, we did BSH. Who do you think uh, Steph would? I don't know. Steph would probably choose Kelly. I'm gonna guess. Maybe. Presumably. I don't know sure. It definitely wouldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> for all the reasons Charlie laid out. Uh, so we did BSH member. Uh, if it goes beyond the show, I would really like to get to know Kurt or Albert. I, re- I really think that that would be good bonding time Those for are us. Good I'm not ones. that close with them. Uh, I would like to see how that would go. They are both yeah, I, fascinating I, I would... people. Yeah, they're both cool. I, I, I would enjoy, I, I think, like, if we're opening this up to all BSH, I think I would, I probably would pick Kurt because, like, like we're pretty chill. Um, if it's just the show, I don't know. Steph or Kelly's fine. Just not Bill, unless we're drinking all the time. And then definitely Bill. <laughs> just not Bill. <laughs> all right, we did BSH member. Uh, member of the Flyers you would like to be quarantined with or least like to be quarantined with. So I think that I would most like to be quarantined with Nolan Patrick because he absolutely would not talk to me or interact with me in any way. So it would be just like, <laughs> yeah, he'd definitely alone, leave you alone, yeah, which would be alone. great. Like he would just be like a, a house plant, like on the other side of the room, staring at his phone or something. I wouldn't have to deal with him at all. I think I would least like to be quarantined with 
Jake Voracek because he would probably, after day like three, start to get really pissed off and just like yell and throw things <laughs> all the time because he's so angry at the fact that he's got to be stuck in the house. I guess that's that. like, uh, like TK or or Jake or Kevin Hayes. Like I think would initially be really fun, yeah, and then it would just be like, shut the fuck <laughs> up! <laughs> Do you ever stop? <laughs> Which, okay, now that I hear myself say it, I'm like, yeah, no, no one would want to be quarantined. (laughs) (laughs) I require constant validation. (laughs) Uh, I think... I think Elaine Vigneault would be the best. Oh, Oh, that that would be be good. That would be fun. That might be the winner. Yeah. (laughs) Kelly's in the Elaine Vigneault would get it. We had this conversation. I've had this conversation in the Slack chat. Elaine Vigneault would get it. Okay. Holy shit. There's, especially okay, this, there's this like took a one turn. suit. There's one tan suit in particular that he wears sometimes. A That's tan it. suit? It's like a tan like plaid suit. Something. It's got some kind of pattern on it. It's <laughs> it's good. It's good. He's a, he's a good looking man, I think. And plus, he'll get you wasted oh, on martinis. So. I don't, yeah, I just want to drink martinis with the guy. <laughs> Pick his brain on things not related to hockey. No, yeah, I, think, I, gonna... I think I think Vigno might be the winner because he's like he's a cool dude and like mm-hmm. he gets to drink a lot and he knows way more about hockey than I ever could. So I could just absolutely just like talk to him about systems and whatnot. That would be fun. That I I, th- I think I would go Vigno. Yeah, like I couldn't deal. Like Travis Sanheim would put on some music and I'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> country fans. So yeah, I was gonna if say some deal, bad. If you can deal music. with that, yeah, he's a yeah. country guy. So this is something that I saw Charlie in a little bit of a discussion about on Twitter, so it made me think this would be a fun thing to talk about. Most underrated flyer of the mediocre era. So what are so, so the I thing saw we this just came out of? Question. Okay, so it's the past like three years. That's what we're going with with the mediocre era. I just wanted to, I, when I saw the question, I was like, well, wait, that could be so many years. <laughs> Which ones in particular are we talking about? Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll go with the, the Hackstall. I would say the Hackstall era. I would say the Baruby Hackstall era. Hmm. The most underrated player. I'm looking through a roster now. I feel like Matt Reed doesn't get enough respect for being a very solid player the whole time he was here. I could buy yeah, like, during those years. Yeah. I could buy that. Reed's first three years were so good, and the end was so bad that people only remember the end. Like, oh, Matt Reed yeah. sucked. Like, no, man, the first three years were really good. Oh, man, Boyd Gordon. <laughs> I forgot about no, it, Boyd it, Gordon. There's, there's a lot of possibilities here. Reed's, in it, Reed's a good one. Um, I, the, mm-hmm. one the thing you were referencing on Twitter, I think, was the, the Mark Streit one. Yes. Which, like, yeah, I think Mark Streit is... Is, is a viable mm. option there because the point I made on Twitter in this conversation was that you know, he spent the entire first part of that contract basically being tasked with carrying bad players on his pair. He was with Grossman, he was with Nick Schultz, and then he was with Andrew McDonald. And then when he finally started getting, like the Flyers started getting deep enough where he could actually be with decent players, then he broke his dick and got old. And it was just like it was just like the worst freaking timing for the guy. But I guess that's what you expect when you sign a a thirty five year old to a to an extent like a decently long contract. But I think he's he was good 
for the Flyers. I think, you know, you, you could argue he was underrated. I think you could make a case, like, truthfully, you could probably make a case for Steve Mason. Oh, yeah, That was sure. going to be mine. That was going to be That's mine. Uh, listen, I, at the end, I was done with Steve Mason. Uh, but, man, he had some years. He had some years in there. Uh, what was it, 20, I want to say 14, the year they played the Rangers in the first round? Yeah, like, yeah. Man, if he's not hurt for the first, what, two games, uh, there's a chance they win that series. Like, Absolutely. He was really, really good that year. Uh, two years later, you know, he lets in the half-ice goal against the Caps, and that's basically it for him in terms of his relationship with the coach and uh, just more or less his playing career, really. But he, he, had some, he had some really good years, starting with when he came over at the end of the, uh, the, end of the lockout season. And then the next two years, he was pretty damn good. I think you can make a case for um, uh, uh, for Gudis. I think hmm. it's, it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say now because like he was just on the team last year, but he mm-hmm. was consistently good. And I think I have a feeling in like five five or so years, we're all going to forget about him. But he was consistently a good defenseman for a bad team. I thought we decided that he wasn't actually that good he just had inflated underlying numbers because he shot the puck all the time that was your decision on gudas i thought that was everyone's decision but maybe it was just mine. i was never my decision i i always oh. thought he was a pretty good player i thought he was decent uh i mean honestly the answer to this question is probably either Giroux or voracek like because the team sucked we blamed them yeah, when really it was everybody else yeah that's true but yeah uh it's there were, I don't want to completely like, oh, everyone was so bad. Like, there were some good times in there. There were some good runs. Like, that Brayton Shannon ghost run at the end of 2016. Yeah, we had the 10-game winning streak that time. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. tons of fun. Was a lot of we had the 10-game losing streak. That was also even better. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Because it turned out losing some of those games in shootouts and overtime is what got us into the playoffs. <laughs> All right, uh, so this next question I saw on Twitter, and it made me think about my own life. Oh, boy. How long should you go in one pair of sweatpants without washing? This is an extremely easy question that applies to all clothing, is that you wash it when it gets smelly. Until it gets smelly, you fold it up and put it away at the end of the day. Smelly or visibly dirty. One of the yeah, two. like if you like spill something on it or something. Right, yeah. Oh, exactly. my sweatpants are definitely visibly dirty. <laughs> then they're probably <laughs> also smelly. I hate to break it to eh. you. <laughs> eh. Who's to say? You shouldn't wash your clothes I, I every shower. time you wear them. It's bad for your clothes, actually, to wash them that often. I shower and then get right back in my sweatpants. There That's what I'm doing during there quarantine. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like when I, when I regularly wore sweatpants, because now I pretty much just wear gym shorts around the house, um, but when I regularly wore sweatpants, I was probably like every like, maybe like week and a half, yeah. maybe two, maybe two weeks. I feel like that was probably my average. If you're not getting sweaty, actually sweaty in them, it's, they're clean when you take them off. Yeah. I mean, I'm just walking the dog twice a day and that's it. Yeah. If it's and not I'm s- doing that in slippers. There you go. That's a My neighbors look. have all commented on my dog walking slippers. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit about anything. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what else do we even have here? Not too many questions this week. What's your top breakfast food? 
it's like a a, a seriously one A one B thing for me, and it's pork roll and scrapple. Oof. I have a, a perfect composed breakfast that I've talked about several times, but like just singular food, it's it's scrapple or pork roll. Right so I, my number one, but I wouldn't say it's like always the number one. It has to be really good. But like I can die for a really good piece of French toast. Mm. Like mm. really good French toast. I fucking love it. That's good. Yeah. Scrapple to me has to be perfect. Like you have to nail the scrapple. Pork roll is good no matter what. I'll eat pork That's roll true. raw. You can't uh, fuck Like up scrapple, if it's not the perfect thickness, you gotta the get perfect crispiness. Yeah. Oh, I got a, I got an eggs Benedict with uh, what was it? Sausage gravy all on top of scrapple the other day. Oh my god! I'm not going to live very long, regardless of this. Pandemic. That sounds amazing. Uh, Where is that from? It I was so go good. It's at the the bar right next. Oh man. Uh, this place next to my house. I I decided me and Ava decided not to socially distance for brunch the other day, <laughs> and went to this place, Chicks, that I live right next to. Oh God, Bill! Now people are yeah. gonna fucking find you. Don't tell them where you live. Uh, you they'll never fans? figure it out. There's there are two <laughs> streets right next to the place, so they'll never figure out which is which. <laughs> I'm the guy walking his dog in dirty sweatpants and a fanatic headband with a mustache. Like <laughs> that's true. That you hard. can't be missed. I'm pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. It's true. Uh, any of these other questions really stand out to you? They don't to me. I mean, yeah. I I never the one of them was favorite Always Sunny episode. I've probably watched two Always Sunny episodes. So the I would, really, yeah. The I mean, I would go with the I would go with the World Series one because that's one I watched and I thought it was hilarious. But I I don't regularly watch the show. Okay. Kitten mittens, all day. <laughs> I have so many that I love, but I always say the World Series defense. Simply because the World Series was a defense for, like, why did your life fall apart in the fall of 2008? Well, I was a little busy. I was a little busy participating in riots and drinking Everclear. Like, it was very much it was very much a defense for, like, hey, how come you have to take a whole semester of college over again? Well, I stopped going to class, like, halfway through October. So, um, that was that. As one does. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good one. What's your all-time favorite album? God, um, hard. Kelly, is it a Pearl Jam album? I know that's like your band. If I ha- so for me, if we're just talking a singular album, one disc, yeah. single soundtrack. Almost a Pearl Jam album. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, is that just like a greatest hits album? No, the soundtrack to the movie singles. Oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, mine is, uh, my favorite album of all time is, uh, Modest Mouse, The Moon Antarctica. Absolutely. Um, they're not my favorite band, but that is my favorite album of all time. All right. Oh, man. I guess, I guess I just got to go with Green Day Dookie, because I've literally been listening to it since I was six years old. And, yeah, it starts with, I declare I don't care no more, and that's, that's me. (laughs) Uh, who do you think has the worst jersey in all of sports? Just the worst fucking jersey. Just the worst. Mm. The answer is obviously the Ottawa Senators, but I'll, I'll take your nominations as well. I really I hate re- the Cleveland Browns jersey. The new, one, the new ones? The ones that are just brown, basically? The whole like orange the, and the brown wording. color scheme is just very I think poopy. the fact that their name is shit. Like, yeah, we're the right? Cleveland shits. We're the Cleveland steamers. <laughs> <laughs> like... The- 
I really hate the um well I think they're changing it, but I really, really couldn't stand the Bucks recent ones with those like weird like calculator style numbers. Like Yeah, they, Tom they Brady just... wasn't signing there unless he got assurances he wouldn't look like a goddamn moron, so yeah, they were so bad. Like, I, I have no idea how that got past, like, whatever, you know, marketing group picks the jerseys because those were horrific. They're the first ones that come to mind, but I'm sure there's others that I, I absolutely can't I see. really hate the Jets' new ones, too. The Jets' new jerseys look like a team from a movie about football that didn't get NFL broadcasting rights. <laughs> oh, you're talking like, about and the, it New York, like, the New York Jets. Yeah, the New York, yeah, okay. the New York Jets. They, the New they York look, football Jets. Yeah, they look like they should be in any given Sunday. That's what those jerseys look like to me. Yeah, they're bad. I agree with that. All right, gang. Uh, that's pretty much it. Do we have anything else? Is there is there other stuff? You guys, you I guys mean, are healthy, right? You're you don't have, you're asymptomatic. Asymptomatic, but that does not mean healthy. So don't leave your fucking house and don't touch anything. Uh, Thank you don't got to tell me not to leave my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's, Ava all week has right been now. like, He's happy. this is this is your you were you're the only one prepared for this. I was like, that's right. <laughs> I work from home. I love television. I love the couch. I love sweatpants. I love booze. Born this has been the it. easiest. This has been the easiest transition I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that is it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Listen, I realize this is weird because there are no games, and it's uh, what month is it? March. Uh, it's the middle of March, and. We're kind of just getting by here, but we have some content ideas that we think you're really going to like. So keep downloading the show. Keep listening. We will be with you through the shelter in place, through the self-quarantine, through whatever lockdown, shutdown is going on. BSH is always your pal. So for Kelly and Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk?